Oh my goodness. Well, it's good to it's good to be in the Lord's house. It's good to be a well, you know, we are a happy people. And uh, we should be as the Lord's people. How many of us had somebody do something really nice for us recently? There's a few people just really, really nice. Some sometimes we we have that we're we're uh, blessed with that. Uh, and uh, when somebody does something for us, <clears throat> we used to tell the kids, uh, "What are they supposed to do <laughs> when they do something really nice? Somebody does something really nice for you. What are you supposed to say? Thank you. <laughs> You're supposed to always say thank you." And we want to make sure that they appreciated, that they showed their appreciation for what the Lord had done for them. Somebody takes you to dinner, <clears throat> uh, appreciation says that you don't just eat and run, they're taking you to dinner, but you're on their schedule, and uh, and of course that reminds me of uh, why I never go to these... Uh, uh, timeshare vacations, you know, because you're on their schedule. <laughs> uh, diverse, I, I, whatever, I, I digress, whatever, digress, I guess you say. But anyway, uh, it is important to, uh, to be grateful for, you know, for the things that people do for us and for the way that people uh, care for us and care about us, especially sometimes when it's something really good, you know, a pre- the appreciation for things that other people have done for us is a is a uh, is a good it's a good thing. We need to show our appreciation, and we need to be able to do good for others as well. Uh, today, let's turn to Romans six, and I want to talk about today about gift versus wages. Gift versus wages, and of course, we find that those two words in the 23rd verse but I want us to look and we'll be looking at the entire chapter here and with that thought of gift versus wages two standings and their views of sin two standings and their views of sin and when we think about this we're we are going to be looking at and thinking about what the Lord has done for us the gift part that uh, that we're talking about here is that wonderful thing that the Lord has done for us and having given Himself and, and uh, given Himself to us and for us and, and that we belong to Him and that He belongs to us. I am His and He is mine. And uh, Romans 6, though, in verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But I do want to read, and let's take the time this morning to read this chapter, the sixth chapter. It's just 23 verses, but let's read through it and and try to get the gist, if you will, to begin with of, of what is being said here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. We pray for those that are in need at this time, some here that need comfort from your uh, glorious and comforting arm, and Lord, that you could fold us into your bosom, that you could take us, Lord, as a hen takes her chicks under her wing and, and cares for them. We pray that you might bless and console where consolation is needed. We pray for your grace and mercy upon those that are um, that have difficulties right now that uh, have kept them from being able to come here today and we pray that you might you might re uh, bless their recovery and you might speed the time that they'll be able to be back again with us and uh, just pray for each one Lord uh, as we know them and we pray as well Lord for each one that's here that your grace and mercy might both be upon us and that you would remind us of some things here Lord that we need uh, we sometimes need to be reminded of and we just pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us Lord where it's needed but use your word in the way that your spirit might design today and pray that you would just bless that what is done uh, as a result would glorify your precious name 
We'll give you the uh, glory for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Gift versus wages. Two standings that relate to sin. Um, the two standings, the, the standing of a believer versus the standing of an unbeliever, is are two standings that have a completely different view of sin. They have a completely different outlook concerning sin. They're... Their attitude, the, the one, one person's attitude is completely different than the other person's attitude concerning sin. Uh, we uh, look to the book of Romans here, in Romans 6, because Romans 6 deals with the subject, clearly deals with the subject of sin here. And it's dealing with the subject of sin as to our, uh, as believers, uh, our attitude concerning sin, where, where we are. Um, there are a lot, of ta- a lot of people, a lot of teachings today, a lot of people who teach that don't like to teach on sin, that don't like to preach on sin anymore. And because it's, a, it's an unpopular subject, and by the way, you know, we've already been delivered from our sin, why do you want to bring it up anymore, you know, and, and such as this. But the fact of the matter is, Paul... Uh, preached and, and on numerous times and the Lord himself did and and John the Baptist did and other preachers of the word of God mo- mo- most clearly declared the need for dealing with the subject of sin in the believer's life and uh, we need that we need encouragement we need the blessing of God concerning that and while I, while we will today look at both sides of this in terms of the uh, of what our standing is, what the standing of the unbeliever and the standing of the believer is co- concerning our relationship with God, it relates very definitely in chapter 6 as Paul is speaking to the subject of sin, to the relationship of towards sin, toward our attitude, concern our attitude towards sin. I think for the most part Historically, Baptists have dealt with this subject appropriately. <clears throat> the, why are you a Baptist today? I mean, I, I'd ask that question. Why are you a Baptist? And what answer uh, might you give to why you're here today and why this it happens to be a Baptist church that you're attending today? Uh, there are a number of distinctives, obviously, and we're not going to go into these distinctives that make the Baptist unique, but there's a, the crux of the matter, if you will, for me, is simply this, uh, and that is that I am a Baptist because Baptists most biblically present and practice the doctrines of Christ. They most biblically present and practice the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we could get into all these other, like I say, distinctives, Baptist distinctives and things like that, which are very vital and very good. But I, but I just say the, 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 the presentation or the proclamation of the Scriptures, the truths of the Scriptures concerning uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrines of Christ and the practice as it relates to what the Lord Jesus Christ would have us to do they make me a Baptist. And I, I know I grew up uh, as one who had Baptist parents and such as this, and I, and I count that a tremendous blessing. But at the same time, I would say that were I to be led by the Spirit of God 
somewhere else into a different kind of a church and, and says, I would follow the Spirit's guidance. I would follow, if it's truly leading me, I would follow His guidance, but I believe that uh, there's a good reason why I am here and why I continue in a church that's a Baptist church. And so, but what we see is one of the things that Baptists clearly are about is preaching on sin. <laughs> they are about preaching on sin. You can't pick up Baptist, our Baptist forefathers, their commentaries or their uh, preach, or their sermons and such as this without recognizing that sin is a big part of their preaching. And we as God's people need that. We need a continuous reminder of where we're to be. What is our attitude? What should it be towards sin? Well, Paul is proving in Romans that salvation from sin is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, all entirely to the glory of God. And get that wrong and you've missed heaven forever. Get that wrong and you've missed heaven. It is by grace alone, through Christ, through the through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that is it. And Paul has made that real clear. Salvation is not by works. Salvation is not by the law or the works of the law. Salvation is entirely by the grace of God. And when we look at that and we see Rome, <clears throat> Paul in this portion of Romans, here in the sixth chapter, the believer through the obedience of Christ for us has been moved from one standing to a dramatically different one. From one characterized in verse 23 as one that is, that is wages earned unto another uh, standing that is characterized as a gift given. Which one do we have? You know, What standing are we in as it pertains to God, as it pertains to our salvation? Or do we have a standing where the, we're in this, in this state, in this regular state of trying to make sure that we are saved and trying to make sure that we get saved and trying to make sure that we stay saved? Are we in that mode of earning, that mode of earning wages? That standing, there is a standing that every one of us used to be in, and that was the standing we were in. We're in the standing of the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And we had our association with sin was one that was a very close and a, a beloved association with sin that we had before the Lord saved us. And that new standing <clears throat> determines where I'll spend eternity. No question about that. But it means far more than that here and now in this world. It means more than that. It means more. When we talk about our standing being one of in the gift of God's grace as opposed to being earning wages uh, and, and trying to live up to a standard in which we can be right with God, that new standing determines it, it, it determines a lot of things. It determines how I view my life, how I look at life here and now. And that's a core thought of this chapter this chapter chapter 6 is clearly a thought about grace uh, how that we've seen how that grace gives the believer 
a new attitude as we're going to, as we see in this passage concerning sin. You look at verse 1 and it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's our attitude towards sin as believers? Should I continue in sin that grace may abound? I've already been saved by the grace of God. So now, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? One thing that we do as believers, unfortunately, and the Romans did the same thing, is that we take one, we take a truth and sometimes ride that truth to an unwise and an unreasonable conclusion. We take the truth of the grace of God and people will and we can ride it to an unreasonable conclusion. And that's what they were doing here. There are many truths that we can do that to, that we can take and we can uh, continue to just process the, the thought apart from the scriptures and we end up processing something that is eisegesis instead of exegesis. It, it, it ends up being something we're just we're just putting our own thoughts into the word of God as opposed to getting what God is telling us and what he's explaining to us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, we all know this. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So he's saying there's something more to this salvation by grace than just being saved from heaven, obviously. There's something more to it. And as believers, we know that. We understand that. In chapter 4 and verse 10 of Ephesians, and I will turn there, but Ephesians chapter 4, uh, he's continued this thought through the end of chapter 2 and through chapter 3. And now he says, I therefore, in, in thinking about the grace and how God's grace is, is so good to us, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you'd walk worthy of, of the vocation wherewith ye are called. He starts talking about here in chapter 4, after talking about how that the salvation is completely by grace through faith in Christ and, and to the glory of God, now he starts saying, hey, I'm, so I want to encourage you, I beseech you that you'd walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, that your walk, your life, would be consistent with your calling from out of sin into the marvelous grace of God and the, 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 the light of God's glorious grace. So, uh, the context, just looking at the context there of the book of Romans, for starters here, <clears throat> two more points that we'll think about, and these are the main two points today, that this new standing <clears throat> it, it is a, a standing of the believer that every believer, every true believer has. We're all, we all consistently have this same standing and Paul is going to describe it here and it'll be a new standing the fact that it is a reality we'll look at in these verses of chapter 6 and also that this new standing produces a new focus as we see in chapter 6 and then the second part that was the first part and that is this new standing for the believer from this we know the standing of the unbeliever and that is the second point that we'll make is from what we read here in, in Ephesians chapter 3, 
telling us what we used to be and what we are now is going to say, here's the standing of the unbeliever. Here's where the unbeliever is and what his condition is. The, the condition or the standing of, a, of an unbeliever is a standing that in one sense of the word you can just describe as total depravity. The, the condition of being completely incapable of doing that which is good. And then there's the condition of the believer, and that believer is a, the, the condition of the believer is more a condition of illumination. In other words, the Lord has illuminated us and given us an understanding now so that we should not serve sin. And we as God's people are to be reminded over and over again to say thank you. We need to be reminded over and over again that our life says thank you. That our life and how we view sin says thank you for saving me from my sin. And so there's something of a uh, of a simplistic, if you will, if it might, if we might say, nature of uh, what we're going to say today, but yet at the same time, very vital, I think, and, and needful. This new standing of the believer. This new standing is a reality. Look at verse two. Notice the the words uh, in uh, in the second verse of Romans chapter six. It says, "God forbid." Here's here's the answer. What shall we? Say then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We're, we're not, this, the idea of, uh, uh, of continuing in sin that grace may abound is, is, there's a theological term for it, it's called antinomianism. Uh, no law. And uh, you don't, because of the fact that now we're saved from the law and from the bondage of the law, then there is no law. Well, that's not God's word. That's, that's taking the teaching of the grace of God away from the scriptures and, and adding something else in it. And the word says, Paul says, no, um, to the Romans here, there's, there's, is, it, is it appropriate? Obviously this was a challenge to them. Obviously this is something that, that they thought about. It's obviously something that perhaps even has come up in discussions. It's perhaps come up in even in maybe in some of the messages that, that have been preached there at Rome, but at any rate, this this standing, the reality of this standing, is uh, is important to understand that it has that it is not just a standing that says uh, it doesn't matter how I live now that the grace of God has saved me. So he says in verse number two, God forbid. And notice these words. Then how shall we that are next three words dead to sin dead to sin here is the new standing of the believer the new standing of the believer is being dead to sin dead to sin now we'll look at this a little bit further when we look at the unbeliever but what it means to be alive unto sin and to be dead to righteousness means total depravity. It means an incapability of doing anything good. In other words, the motives will be wrong. Even the good that we do will not be pleasing to the Lord. It will be for all different reasons that are displeasing, that are dishonoring to God. It will be for selfish motivation. It will be in some way to claim something that does not belong to us, but only exclusively belongs to God. And so, but we're, as a believer, I'm dead 
to sin. Dead to sin. Verse number 6. The word says here in verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that ye should not henceforth serve sin. I'm sorry, verse 4 was the verse I was looking for, and that's why I ran through that verse and said, I don't see those words. Therefore we are buried with him. Now, that in this in this text, we're talking about in baptism, we are in sim- we are symbolically doing what has already been done in our hearts and in our, as far as our standing with God. We are be- being buried with him by baptism into death. We're buried but we are buried into death when we have this new standing with God, when we're saved. A person who's saved is buried. He's dead to sin. He's buried unto death. And then verse number 6, our old man is crucified with him. Verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified. This is the state that we're in. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Crucified that the body of sin might be destroyed. That you should that henceforth we should not serve sin. But he's saying our old man is crucified. Our old man is dead to sin, buried unto death, crucified with Christ. And then verse number seven, he says something else about it. He says, For he that is dead is freed. He makes a logical conclusion here to say, and, and biblical one, to say that he that is dead is freed from sin. Freed from sin. Freed from sin. What would that tell me about my unsafe condition prior? <laughs> I had a bondage to sin. I, I was in bondage to sin. And so he's saying, hey, <clears throat> no, now I'm freed <clears throat> from sin. This new condition is one of being freed from sin. Freed from sin. Liberated forever. I mean, it is a... Uh, this standing is an eternal standing which always produces that eternal life that verse 23 talks about. It always produces that. So he is, our old man is crucified with him. We're freed from sin. Verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's we are that. Verse number 11, we are alive unto God. Reckon yourselves to be alive unto God because you are alive unto God. You were dead unto God in a sense. But now you're alive unto God. Now you are that one who is perceptive of the things of the kingdom of God. You are that one who understands what the will of the Lord is. You are that one who has been illuminated so that you as a child of God have a different attitude towards sin. Alive unto God. Verse 14 <clears throat> says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but verse 14 says, but under grace. Here's where we're at. Our standing is a standing of being under grace. Under grace. When it said that we were under the law, <clears throat> what, <clears throat> what did that mean? And, and we could look at other passages of Scripture that tell us kind of what that means. It meant that we were condemned. We were in that state of condemnation and that we were dominated by the law. 
The law dominated us. It was everything to us. It was do good and live. And, and, and our, you know, it, it was something that we were unilluminated. We're in darkness. We're walking around in darkness, not knowing anything better than to think that, <clears throat> that uh, good people make it to heaven. And that's about it. And we don't know a whole lot more. But, and, we're, and we're dark as far as that's concerned. And so, um, under grace, though, we're under, under grace. Not under the law, but under grace. What's grace? Grace is unmerited favor from God. God showing forth His unmerited favor toward you. <clears throat> it's amazing standing to be in that legal standing, to be in that, that perpetual standing and and that relationship with God, because God is, as we sang a few minutes ago, love. And uh, under his wing, under grace. Verse 18, he says again, verse 18, What are we being then made free from sin? Ye became, what? The servants of righteousness. That's what we became. When the Lord saves you, he saves you to be a servant of righteousness. He's made you to be a servant of righteousness. He's, he's caused that your mind and your thinking and your heart are all geared toward doing that which is righteous. Being a servant of righteousness. Being someone who's, who's not bound, to right, bound from righteousness is not... Uh, in a in a state where just there's no way I want to do that which is righteous, but rather being a person who's been delivered from that, so that we say, hey, we want to do that which is righteous. We want to. How many of us here want to? Do, I don't want to take the hands, but those who are true believers want to do what is righteous. They want to do the right thing as God's people. Verse twenty one. Verse twenty one says. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Notice he says the condition that and the standing that we're in is in a state of being now ashamed of certain things. Being ashamed. We're in this position of being ashamed of things. My dad uh, pointed out, warned, uh, warned us at times uh, about... Preachers who would come along, and we would have them sometimes. They would come and come, and they'd come preach. It was a mission conference or or some revival or something like that. And they would come along and they would preach, and it sounded like they were so uh, enthralled by their old life, by their life in sin, that they wanted to brag about it. It's like, well, you didn't do nothing like I did. You, you know, it just just want to go roll on and on about their past and how sinful that they were and how bad their life was and you think you'd think and dad would say uh, be careful when you you know listen to these kind of people because they're going to incur they're going to encourage people to continue in sin that's the problem and in fact they themselves are showing forth something that says you still got this appetite and this appetite you know, it seems like you're more excited about sin than you are righteousness. It seems like you're more proud of what was the wrong things you did than you are proud and thankful for the good things that the Lord has done through you. And so 
uh, always cautious about that. He says there's a certain sense in which that we're ashamed of our sin. We, it isn't something that we're, where we used to be, where we stood as an unbeliever is something not that we're boasting of, not that we'd be proud of, but rather that we'd be ashamed of, and he, and he says that here. And then also verse number 22, what's, your, what's our attitude towards sin as it relates to the reality of our standing? Verse 22, he says, But now being made free from sin, you became servants to God. There's, you know, before I was saved, I was not a servant to God. I couldn't serve God. I was not capable of serving God. But now the Lord has saved us and He puts us in this standing, in this place where now that we as the saints of God are those who are servants of God. We're to serve God. We have this responsibility, but all we have this blessed opportunity to serve God. How glorious it is to to seek to do the will of the Lord in your life. To seek to please and honor the One who has given His everything for us. How wonderful it is to be able to live a life in which that we're freed from sin to the extent that we can serve the Lord. That we can do that which is pleasing in His sight. And there's joy that that comes from that. There's peace that comes from that as God's people. And and there's a day in which we might look forward to when he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. And and uh, and I don't know how that's going to play out as far as our lives are concerned, but I'll tell you what, this new standing produces a new focus. It produces a focus on something uh, concerning sin. In verse number 1, here's... One of the things it says, it says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? People that don't want to preach about sin, look at verse 1. <laughs> I'm not talking to, I know I'm not talking to anybody here today. Uh, but, but, but those who pre, don't want to preach against sin, look at verse 1. Listen to what verse 1 says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I mean, the fact is that not preaching on sin and not saying anything about sin in the believer's life does not change the reality that we struggle with sin. It doesn't change the reality that we can be deceived in our thinking to the extent that we might say, well, we were saved by grace, so it doesn't really matter how I live anymore. It doesn't really matter. Well, this focus that Paul is expressing here is a focus that says, the new standing produces a new focus. It's, it produces a, 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 an attitude towards sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, God forbid. That, that would be our answer. God forbid that we would continue in sin that grace may abound. That we would be reminded of that. God forbid that I would want to continue in sin. God forbid that I would want to live that way. That I would want to continue to live that way. Verse 6. Verse 6 says, Knowing this, that their old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that, that henceforth we should not serve sin. We should not serve sin henceforth. After salvation, we should not serve sin. We should not be the servants of sin. We should not be doing what sin would have us to do. Sin is, the, is, 
is seen as in dominion over the life of the unbeliever. But for the believer, sin is not in dominion over us. We should not serve sin. And so as God's people, to be reminded of that. How can I be reminded of that? Well, one of the ways is to be in the Scripture more. One of the ways is to be praying more. One of the ways is to be actually, as we go through the day, confessing our sin. When is the last time we spent real time in prayer unto God, confessing our own personal sins? When is the last time we spent a good time in prayer to God, thanking Him for saving us from our sins? For saving us, truly delivering us from sin in the way that the Apostle is speaking of here. That I no longer have to serve sin. That I no longer am bound to sin the way I was before I was saved. And that now I'm in that condition in which that by the grace of God, I can, as he says here, I can do that which is, which is, uh, which is righteous. Uh, we continue, uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's a challenge to the believer's heart. We should not serve sin. That's a challenge to the believer's heart. That is a stand. It says that this standing produces a different focus. Verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign. Verse 12. He says, Well, the grace of God is going to take care of that for me. Well, the grace of God has saved us, and what the grace of God has done is has put you into this new condition by His grace and mercy that you desire now to never not to serve sin and not let it reign not let sin reign over us in verse number 12 it says let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof that's a commandment it's a commandment to the believer it's a commandment to the children of God that we are not to let sin reign in our mortal body why? In order to be saved? No. Because the Lord has already saved us. He's given us by His grace. He has delivered us from our sin. And we ought to be grateful and ought to be thankful and ought to be living our life with the right focus on what He would have us to focus on. We should not serve sin. Let not sin therefore reign. Verse 15 says here, uh, What then? Shall we sin because... We are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Similar to verse one. Now I'm under. I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace. And so, shall we sin because we are not under the law? And the apostle says, God. Once again, God forbid. Is that your answer? Is that the answer of your heart? Shall we, should I sin because I'm not under the law any longer? I no longer am condemned. I no longer am stand stand apart from God and separated from God, but rather I stand in a in a state of grace and I stand in a state in which that God's grace and mercy has accomplished for me the salvation from my sin that I need. Shall we continue in sin? Shall we sin because we're not under the law? And verse 19 then says, verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded, he speaks now, in the, he's looking back into the past, and he says, For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, because you were the servants of iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. Even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness 
unto holiness, unto being a one that is truly separated unto God, yielding your members to righteousness, because God is your Lord, and He is the one that's your master, and He's the one that you love and care about. And so this new standing of the believer is a reality that Paul speaks about here in chapter 6, and it's a standing, this standing produces a new kind of a focus here in verse in chapter 6. Now from this, we know the standing of the unbeliever as we've gone along here. We know what the standing of the unbeliever really is. Verse 19 says, <clears throat> They're servants to uncleanness and to iniquity. That's what we were before we were saved. We were servants to uncleanness and to iniquity. I'm a servant of God, and you are too, if you know the Lord as your Savior. You're not a servant of iniquity. You're not a servant, as he is saying here, you are no longer a servant to uncleanness. To uncleanness. People say, it doesn't matter how I live. It, all, all those sins, those things about sin are, are archaic. They're, they're old. That was the Old Testament. Whatever you want to say. And today, it doesn't, you know, you, you can live, you can... You can be a good, healthy person and live in a, in a state of homosexuality. You can be a good, healthy person. You can live with all kinds of sin, committing abortion because you want to have a, 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 an open sex life. Um, you, you just want this. You want things for yourself. You want everything to just, to just be fine. And, and, and because of the fact that you're saved, then that's okay. It's, it's all right to, uh, to live that way. The, the Scripture says here, uh, that they were servants, that we were servants to uncleanness and to iniquity. In verse 20 he says, we're the servants of sin. Servants of sin and we were free from righteousness. I was free from righteousness. That's not a good kind of freedom to have. That's called total depravity. That's what it is. To be free from righteousness means you can't do it. It means it's not something that you're that you're as a as an unsaved person that you're capable of accomplishing. <clears throat> We're free from sin by the Lord, by his grace and by his mercy. Not because we've earned it, this standing, but because God's grace has been good to us and we have we have by his grace been shown what it is to be right with God and been shown what that being right with God means to our lives. And so we're, that, uh, we're not that one. That unsaved person is free from righteousness. That unsaved person, the scripture says, his end is of these things is death in verse 19. The end of these things, the fruit of these things is death in verse 19. Our standing was in our own sinful actions. Verse 21 said, <clears throat> What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? We were in those things that we, were, that we are now ashamed of. There's where we were. We stood in those things we were, were, that we're ashamed of. And what is the result? Well, the result would have been eternal condemnation. Eternal judgment. Eternal hellfire is what the scripture, what Jesus would, how Jesus described it. So, which it earned us wages. Those things that we're now ashamed of were earning us wages. And those wages were 
death, as the scripture says here. The wages of sin is is death. Now, when somebody out of a loving heart has given me something, we said, we asked a little earlier about this, but when someone out of a loving heart has given me something, I truly need, and I can't, that I, it's something that I need, I desperately need it, and I can't afford it for myself. And yet, they're giving me that. I ought to be grateful as best I can to show my appreciation for it. I can't, I can't pay them back. It's more than I have the ability to afford, but it's been given to me, and that means that I, to the best of my ability, chapter 6 says, <clears throat> I need to show my appreciation for what's been done for me. So, if the free gift of eternal life is ours by our loving God's condescending grace through Jesus Christ our Lord and through His redemption, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, how terribly inappropriate and unreasonable it is when we ignore that gift and continue in sin. How completely unreasonable that is. When we as true believers sometimes do. How many of us are, have not sinned today? How many of us have not sinned this past week? <clears throat> John says, if you say that you have not sinned, you're, you deceive yourself. You, you, you even make God a liar because the Word makes it rather clear that you sin. That all of us are sinners. And that even those who are saved by the grace of God are still sinners. When we as true believers sometimes do, we should remember that gift is still ours. Still yours today. If it was yours yesterday, it's yours today. And if that gift is ours, and the giver still loves us, and he always will, then what should I do? How should I now live my life? You say, well, from, the, from henceforth you should not serve sin. That was back, he, Paul was clearly talking about back at the time of their illumination, back at the time when they were saved by His grace and mercy, and they had been given a new standing in the Lord. But we say, He's, that standing is continual. And we do sin. And we even get sometimes fall into sin. Sometimes we find ourselves deep in sin in a way that we should never be, which we shouldn't be, and we ought to be ashamed of it. But at the same time, we find ourselves there. And it, by the grace of God, that we would see and that we would be encouraged, as Paul is encouraging the Romans that we would be encouraged to have a right attitude concerning our sin. That we would not look at it as though it's something just to be toyed with, that it's something pleasurable, or that it's something that doesn't matter. That it just doesn't matter how we live our life. God's Word matters to the believer. Uh, the will of God matters to the believer. And we are to have a focus concerning sin as believers and and we look here at Romans chapter 6 and I, I believe that that focus is one of vigilance I believe that that focus 
as much as it's not in me to do and to carry out the will of God even for my own life, I need to have that deep and abiding desire and that focus to defeat sin and to be one who is living my life a victorious life over sin day by day. So we'll stop right there today, but uh, it's important. The gift versus the wages. Because it's not wages, because it's not wages, then I ha- it, 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 it just puts upon me a burden to say thank you in everything I say and do. And as, as God's people, may we be that way. And I'll just remind you, as mom would say, be sure and say thank you. Be sure and say thank you.